Welcome back to part two of our interview with Art Wolf on We Talk Photo. We rejoin the podcast talking about the experience of photographing bears in Katmai National Park. You know, I, I think it's still available, but folks, if you have Netflix, I think Art, is Tales by Light still on Netflix, do you know? You know, I would suspect it is. So you did a segment uh, for that. Uh, program uh, of you. You were up in Katmai when you did that, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a yeah. great and look at this experience. Yeah. You know, people are kind of shocked when they pan to me and I'm in the middle and there's bears all around me yeah. and I'm not even looking back at them. Uh, that kind of is startling for a lot of people. And of course, they think you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, but until am, you experience it, I mean, you don't know how relatively safe it is. I mean, when Jack yeah. and I, our first year, there were 25 bears all around us. And and I was initially scared, and then I've learned over time that that's a relatively safe safe place Do to be. Do you know how, all, briefly, how all that happened, by the way? That uh, guide that flies you out to the you know. rivers was my first guide in Alaska a very long time ago, and we floated the Copper River. He was 19 years old. I think I was in my early 20s. He's, an, ama he's an amazing guy. He really is. And um, I remember on the first day, uh, he took a head of uh, cabbage and with a big knife just cut straight through it into his hand, and uh, <laughs> the, it required stitches and for the next... 11 days as we floated the Copper River, his hand was all bandaged up. Uh, we lost contact for probably 25 years. And when I did a uh, PBS program called Travels to the Edge with Art Wolf, he was in, he was flying transport in Iraq and taking a little R&R &R in Dubai. And they were uh, uh, broadcasting the TV show. He recognized my voice said, when I get back to Alaska, I'm going to call Art Wolf and see what he's up to. Mm. He did. He said, I've got a sport fishing lodge up in Alaska. Come on up and experience this. So I did. And uh, he took me out to the rivers where the bears are. And then he completely changed his business again. And uh, now it's bear tours. It's, yeah. Yeah. He said this, and I think it's absolutely true. You can take a bunch of fishermen up that want trophies. And if they don't get a trophy fish, they're pissing and moaning. I can take a group of people out that are bear photographers, show them a wet, scrawny bear, and we're just as happy. And so it was far easier to work with photographers than fishermen. Yeah. yeah. Art, let me, let me ask you a, a question. So you have, you have so many incredible jaw-dropping shots throughout your career. I mean, it's just every, every image is, is amazing. Would you say, so for folks that are listening, I mean, is it a, is it luck? Is it preparation and planning or is it repetition and volume? Uh, let, let me answer this for art. Yeah. I, this, is what I, <laughs> this is what I tell when people ask me, you know, cause I always bring art up and talk about yeah. how much I respect them. They, they say, well, does he ever tell you how he gets these shots? I said, yeah. I said, I know exactly. Art goes into the jungle. The animals go, hey, Art Wolf is here today. We need to go out and do it. 
the patience you must have. I it's have not zero. That patience. E it's not that easy. The patience. I have zero patience. You know, hmm. I'm uh, definitely moving on. I never would be, although I did it with wolves. I s sat in a tent for 48 hours in front of a wolf den by myself and finally got some cubs that poked up. And in fact, they're in the book. Uh, but for the most part, I'm not one to study the 12 month life cycle of a groundhog. I'm always moving. So people, you know, I'm tenacious and I will go through whatever it takes to get in the middle of the Sahara or wherever. But I'm not one that methodically waits and carefully plants. I move and I move. If it's not happening now or here, it certainly it must be happening over the ridge. And that's kind of the um, style and the temperament. And that's why photography is what I do rather than painting. Because I thought I would be a fine art painting um, professional it's so much easier to create original photographic co compositions than to conjure up a meaningful painting starting with a white canvas. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I shifted. And it, I got into uh, photography through climbing and uh, climbing the Cascades and Olympics. And ultimately I was on the first Western expedition into Tibet up the Northeast Ridge of Mount Everest. How do you stay in shape, Lord? I mean, how do you... Uh, I have two sets of stairs in my house, and I'm up and down them, up and down them, up and down them. Otherwise, I abhor working out in gyms and doing anything, but I'm never one to sit very long. In fact, after this uh, podcast, I'll be out in the garden working, and when I'm home, I'm working in the garden, but I'm always moving, and that's... You know, I've actually at 72 losing a little bit of weight, not that I had any to lose, but now I've lost a notch on my belt. But I think that's typical of somebody that's in their 70s, 80s, 90s. I mean, you, 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 to the lifestyle of travel, we were talking about this, you know, nobody knows. They see these great books and they see the great photographs. And they go on workshops and they come to see you talk. Nobody knows the 10 hours in coach and, and, and the luggage cart going out at two o'clock in the morning piled up with stuff. Exactly Nobody knows. Had, I mean, it, 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 as we get older, it, it becomes more demanding. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm feeling it. I, that's why I asked how you stay in shape, but maybe I better. Maybe you ought to write a book on how to stay in shape, be a good It's funny that you're saying that right now. I've got really sore uh, psoas muscles on both sides because in early November, I was had... walking with polar bears up in the Arctic <laughs> in extremely heavy boots. And those boots really aggravated uh, the muscles, the psoas muscles. And so I've been dealing with that since early November. And what is this? This is almost mid-February, they're getting better because I'm, you know, I've got to be leading those bear tours in July and August. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when you, you're you more ancient, you heal slower. And that's what I have, you know, aging is a period of adjustments, right? Yep. Am I right about that, boys? Well, yeah, so, so we can't heal Maybe as fast, for you. We can't, we're not as strong. 
but we're smarter and we're more clever. And honestly, I believe getting better every year as a photographer, it's your brain is becoming more sophisticated on slightly different angles or using of light or whatever it is, but I'm always thinking I'm moving forward. That's a good lead into my next question. So, a, 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 a lot of people have commented to me that as I'm getting older, that the way what I'm photographing has changed a little bit. I'm becoming a little more simplistic, maybe a little more minimalistic, maybe a little more paying attention to different things. Um, I noticed, and maybe I'm wrong, but I noticed in the last, I don't know, maybe five, eight years. Yeah, the wildlife is great. The travel is great. But you're doing a lot more kind of abstract uh, kind of things that have to do with shapes and angles and textures. And, and John, as John, John's got a, a great three or four things that he that he that he'll I'll get him to say in a minute because I can't remember if it's I'm 110 years old. But you're doing a lot more of that. Yeah, that you know, um, when I first started teaching, I was using the French Impressionists of the late 1800s for finding uh, subjects. And I was teaching that, you know, uh, from Degas to Seurat to Monet, all these different French Impressionists I would draw from for creating new images. It would, not to copy them, but to be inspired by the work they were doing and taking my photography into directions that I probably wouldn't naturally do had I not had that history, art history background. When it came to abstract expressionism and a new line of thought, I thought I'm gonna take that on because as a young painter, I totally didn't get any abstract work. I was much more literal in both my photography, but also my paintings. And so I took that on and I studied their work once again. And then I started looking for Jackson Pollock type images in degraded environments because I thought to find beauty in decay is a great metaphor of birth and renewal. And so I really dove deep and bought a bunch of books, studied what they were saying, went out looking for them always in old barracks or old factories or degraded, you know, the very things that people would walk past is what I concentrated on. And so when I started teaching that, people loved it because I was giving them license to shoot what historically would not have been a typical photographic subject. Right. And, it, and they almost are like kids on exploring and being free to imagine. And that has been a great direction. And we call it photography as art. Right. So Detroit, Atlanta, um, Astoria, Port Townsend, Washington, places that still have enough degraded environments or old boat harbors or whatever it may be. The truth of the matter is a lot of the big cities of the East, you know, the factory towns like, uh, Pittsburgh or Bethlehem, you know, they've become gentrified. You know, people are using but, these old factories now as artist lofts and so forth and so on. So I find the most beautiful abstract work in places like Bangladesh or India or Africa, where there's still a lot of degraded 
environments. Yeah, I like, I like to say and, and talk to people about shooting, instead of shooting subjects or looking for subjects, look for pattern, shape, texture, and light. That's really what I respond to are those things. I don't care what the subject is, but if it's a great pattern, shape, texture, or light, I'm going to photograph it. Absolutely right. Yeah. Let me, or kind of going back to your, uh, to your painting reference, I mean, do you see yourself as a photographer or a visual artist? Or do you make such a artist. distinction? Okay. Definitely a visual artist. Yeah. Now, yeah. it's a blend with natural history as well, because when I was seven, I would roam the wooded ravines of West Seattle and with a little bird book, tree book, mammal book, I self-educated myself about birds and mammals and trees and ferns and mushrooms and so forth. You know, today, if an image appears in Instagram, often there's a flash mob at the same location the following day with every bit of equipment that I might have. Right. But they don't know the name of the bird or mammal or, or the behavior, but they're having fun, but it's a different agenda. You know, yeah. there it's more of a social because I've literally seen that in the Skagit Flats north of Seattle where there's, you know, 30,000, 40,000 snow geese and 10,000 swans. But there's also owls like long-eared owls and short-eared owls. And once I'm driving around and I see this crowd of people with big lenses and I think it's got to be a Eurasian migrant because otherwise why would people be there? <laughs> and they're all photographing a bird that they don't even know because they just saw it on an Instagram. Wow. Now, wow. I've got an Instagram page, but I've only seen my page once. Now, you know I'm telling the truth. And, and Facebook once. I have no I, hear you. I don't spend any time on Instagram because I want not to be influenced by the work of other people. I want to stay the course so yeah. I akin it or liken it to a horse with blinders, because I think if people are just seeing all the different images shot around the world, they get lost in thinking, what can I do different? And it's demoralizing, I think. Um, so I don't spend any time on the Internet unless I'm looking up something on a map around the world, but not looking at Instagram. Yeah, I get, uh, you know, I have to tell you. I do zero social media, none. I don't want to deal with it. And maybe it's costing me some business. I don't know. Maybe it is. I'm busy. It's okay. I don't want to deal with the implications and all the other stuff that's going on. And you're right. Um, there are places. I think we lost. There you are. There hey, are uh, I, I've got people that do my uh, social media and you need to do it because I've got five employees and if we're just totally reliant on my name, we wouldn't be uh, successful. So we need to use social media in a day when newspapers are going away and magazines are marginal. Do you think though, Art, I mean, this was kind of one of my questions though, is it popularizing nature either through books or social media? I mean, it's great to raise awareness of everybody, those that maybe might not go outside, but does it also have that detrimental effect of, of us loving our natural spaces to death? You know, my belief is this, and I saw this uh, during COVID where the trailheads in the Cascade Mountains 
were filled with people that yeah. needed nature. And I, yeah, it's a double-edged sword because we can overwhelm nature and wear down paths and so forth and so on. And yet those are the people that will speak up when there's a referendum for saving this forested valley or, or, or. So it is, uh, it, it's not a clean answer one way or the other. And I already alluded to in the book the fact that habituation on a lot of animals that historically were not breeding very well around humanity are breeding very well now. You know, the eagles in the nests in Seattle parks are bringing off broods. So I think, you know, you can't just categorically say one thing or the other and be completely right about your point of view. Because I, mean, I think you, it's a broader, you more And you complex. can't make everybody happy either. And, you know, Mount Rainier National Park this year is going to require reservations in the summer. Yeah, permit system. Yep. And, and many of the other parks are. But, you know, something has to be done. I mean, you try to get in there in August. The line to get into Nisqually is could be three miles long. You know, it's um, in in the back of my book. I don't have locations for the most part because I feel with the TV show that I did that ran for two years and broadcast in seventy countries around the world, I led to increased human presence in places that were underexposed, like Iceland and yeah. places like that. And I never really believed that people would go to the nth degree like I did to get into some of these places, and yet they are. And so I stopped identifying locations. Yeah, I guess people can get in and look at the um, back material within a digital image to find out where you were, but there are locations that I have not disclosed, uh, landscape locations, I should say, that are amazingly beautiful. And yet, if I said where they were, people would overrun it. There would be graffiti, there would be pop cans, you know, it would just be degraded so fast. And I learned the lesson with that TV show that people mostly will go with the respect, but there will also bring along people that have zero respect for the environment. No doubt. No doubt. When I first went to Lon Monologer, you know, you get up on top there, the paths were two feet wide. The last time I was there, they were 12 feet wide. And, it, it, you know, it's kind of a shame. It really is. But I guess that's the way. You know, I, I show a picture of... Um, Firefall, I guess that's the name of the waterfall in yeah. Yosemite that yeah. only two days of the year yeah. uh, catches the sun. And <laughs> I show that, and then I show, oh, it's got to be three, 400 people. It's not actually my photo. I bought it off the Internet. Uh, I show people that photo of all these people in lawn chairs with beer on the table and their cameras trained towards that. And I want to make fun of that, and yet... These people are having fun. They're socializing. They're they're in nature. You know, I I just feel that I am too judgmental on what other people do, and I need to back off a little bit on that and recognize if they're having fun in nature, photographing. Who am I to judge them? And so, uh, I won't be there with them, but. 
I also should not castigate them for being there and enjoying themselves. Well said. That, that leads, leads me to, you know, we got to bang this up here in a couple of minutes, but it, it, another topic that's similar in a way is the new technology that we have in terms of making photographs with, with gear. And we're not going to talk about gear per se. Um, there's unbelievable software that we've had and stuff to, that's coming that we can't even imagine yet. And, you know, we've all been around the block here a little bit and I'm, I'm having, I'm not really having a hard time with the AI situation because you can do whatever you want. You can't replace being in the river with the bears. I don't care what you what you do, you, you, when you're there, that's what's important. How do you feel, Art, about what what's what we're dealing with now? I don't know if you saw this image. There's an image that was on Petapixel and F, wherever it was of a polar bear on a on a floating piece of ice in the water, and the bear's curled up in the fetal position with his her, his or her head like this. And I looked at that and I said, that's a fake photograph. Now, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Okay. My my opinion is it gives greater value to a book like Wild Lives, which is all wild. And um, Thank you. yeah, I mean, we're not going to stop it. There's going to be a lot of amazingly beautiful imagery, but I think the people that buy my books or take your tours want realism and to know that sunset was above that mountain range rather mm -hmm. than somebody shooting a sunset that placed it over a bland uh, skyline. And I've always believed that. Now, I, you know, I got in trouble with migrations because it was early, early on. We were still shooting film and yet we could uh, digitize the film and make a digital um, capture. Anyway, I thought we addressed it honestly in the introduction, but people wanted to know everything that we did. And we refused to make it a how-to book because I wanted it to be an art book based on the work of M.C. Escher. And you said exactly what you did. There was no, there was no ambiguity there. You know what I found is that authors in magazines would... Uh, think that they know what we did and write about it and they were always wrong they were always wrong Correct. and so i learned about um hypocrisy and yellow journalism during that era and um you know it nobody wants to have hate mail sent to you or messages left on your uh phone recorder but in fact we did because i was a lightning rod on a world scale. Now, I wasn't the first that used it. Colleagues of mine changed colors and things like that, but I was the first one to actually say and call it a digital illustration. And I remember Tom Mangelson debating it with me, and he's a dear friend. He's a great yep. guy and a great photographer. Yep. But he said, people don't read introductions. It's like, okay, so is the onus on me uh, then? <laughs> Yeah. It was an interesting time, but it was early, you know, when um, the painting of the painters 
first saw a camera or an image from a camera, they thought this is the end of painting as we know it. What when about color, color, color film? In, color film when, showed up. Yeah, <laughs> when film showed up, when color came in, there's always this uh, almost hysteric, knee-jerk reaction. And that's what we're seeing with AI. And I think it's going to sort itself out. People are not going to believe images anymore unless identified as untouched, truly wild. It's unfortunate that we'll have to put that on there, but I think it will become necessary. And the people that buy my books and take your workshops, as I just said, are going to stay with us uh, unless we astray and start to um, create imagery. Now, um, John Paul Caponegro has made a great career creating ethereal images of one cloud over one rock at the edge of the ocean. And he's very open about that. And so I have no qualms with John Paul because he's just using the photographic medium to create something dramatic and uh, inspirational. But without that identification, people are going to really, I don't know, who knows where that path will lead us. I'm, I'm, I'm still sticking with the fact that people will want real images in the books that they purchase. Yeah, I got a lot of emails asking me about this. I wrote an article on my blog about this and the title was, frankly, my dear, I really don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't. I know what I do. I know what you do. I know what John does. I know what a lot of our dear friends do. And that's what's important. And anything else. So people want to, I said to John before, if they, people want to put a polar bear in front of the Great Pyramid, um, do it. Have a good time. But say what you did. That's all you got to do. Just say what you did. And it's a piece of photo art or whatever you want to call it. Have a good time. So, Art, let me let me just touch on one thing here before we uh, let you go out to your garden. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about creativity. And you, you, I know, have a new series available on your website called Pathways to Creativity. Can you explain a little bit about what that is? Yeah, it's, it boils down everything I've ever taught or want to teach. And it, uh, I worked on it in the first months of COVID when people are you know, kind of locked down. I was never locked down, by the way. Seattle was much looser, but I could stay the whole day in my garden and not see another human being. So I never felt really constricted, but I could get in the car and go grocery shopping or drive to the Cascades. So I know other parts of the country was a little more onerous about that. But I spent those first couple of months concentrating on creating 20, I believe 28 original one and a half hour lectures on this subject or that subject from humans to uh, urban landscapes to wildlife and everything else you can imagine. And um, it sold well, it's still there. It's, you know, it's, if you can't afford a tour with me, this is probably the second best way to hear what I have to say. Yeah. Do you, do you think people innately have creativity? Or is that something that people develop? I think uh, it's definitely something people can develop. You know, to make the analogy, oh yeah, well, you're born that way. I, uh, most of the people that take my workshops are technical people that came from, into the field from 
lawyers, doctors, you know, any professional types, they're probably left-handed and right-brained and they're less confident on creating aesthetically pleasing compositions. So what I concentrate on is, you know, opening up that mystery to them and giving them license to go out and experiment with their emotions and their brain and, you know, that uh, left-brained concept. Right. And so just to simply say, oh, yeah, you were born with it, it's like, no, a concert pianist spends hours practicing every day to get to where they are. Why should we be held up to any lesser standard? We should be out there practicing all the time, and you or, get better. better I don't know better. whether you notice it. I, I have a degree in music. Oh, I, you do? I made a living in the music business for 20 years before this. Oh, I didn't know that. And I tell my workshop people, John gets sick of hearing it. I said, if you guys think what you're trying to do here is hard, learn how to play the piano. <laughs> learn how to be a, a, a proficient musician. And I agree totally. I don't think anybody's born with anything. Find something you really love and get good. Well, well, I like, yeah, I like I the point. Oh, go ahead, Art. No, uh, you, John. Oh, I was, I was going to say I really loved your point about giving people... It's almost like sometimes people need permission to explore and expand and let go of perceived constraints to just shoot to what they respond to. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Years and years and years ago, early in my career, I was invited to uh, sit in on a Seattle Photography Association uh, competition. And... I don't know. People were there with white pieces of paper and pens and writing down numbers. And, you know, the person was being judged on whether he was or she was following the rules. And, oh, my God, it was so pedestrian and uh, stifling yeah. from an artistic point of view that uh, I thought, is this what a lot of people are being introduced to? photography is about the rules of, comp of thirds and all that I say you can break every rule and come up with a dramatic dynamic image uh, rules are somewhat good because it gives people a framework but if they follow it to the nth degree it becomes really stagnant and uninteresting mm-hmm mm-hmm I, I agree I agree all right, all right. I, last thing, I swear to gosh, Rod, I'll, I'll let you go. But I have to tell my one Art Wolf story that I have. Uh-oh. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh -oh. you, you won't even remember it. This was years and years ago. I went out to the Painted Hills, and I was hanging out in the parking lot in the middle of the day, about 2 o'clock, bright, bright sunshine. Middle of the day, I was just futzing around in the back of my car, and I hear this familiar voice behind me going, Oh no, not another one of you photographers. And I instantly knew it was you, just from your from your television program. And I turned around and we chit chatted for you know, you were kind enough to chat with me for fifteen, twenty minutes and and then you you had some folks with you. I think you were you were head, headed south through the state and and then you went off to go shoot photographs. And and at that point I was really kind of focused on, you know, sunrise and sunset, the magic the magic times and I sat there in that parking lot in the middle of the day and I went dang if Art Wolf is out taking photographs I can go out and take photographs 
And that was that was you teaching me that it's okay no matter what time of day, no matter what quality of light, that there's photographs to be had. And I've always remembered that lesson. Oh, good. So I wasn't insulting or left no. unhappy person. Kind you and know, gracious as always. Maybe you we, know, get, funny... we, we get you on again, or we could just do a podcast of stories. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that in the future. Yeah, good. Mm. It will be double tequila Tuesday. There you go. Next time we'll have a tequila in front of us and, yeah, yeah. and we'll make this uh, interview much more salty yeah. and interesting. You know, I, 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 I'll, tell, I'll tell just a brief story. You uh, gave an award. You introduced Bill Fortney at Nampa one time, and I forget what award was. One of the awards that Nampa gave out. And, uh, and, you know, you and Bill have a history together for many years. We worked together. And, and so I had breakfast with Bill that morning. And you know Bill. I mean, Bill could talk in front of anybody, you know. So we're eating breakfast. I'm noticing Bill's really nervous. I said, Bill, I said, everything okay? He goes, yeah, everything's fine. I said, nothing, something's going on. What's going on? He goes, well, I just found out that Art's going to introduce me. And I hope. I hope he doesn't cut up and, you know, I said, Bill, he's going to be fine. And you are. It was great. But, you know, you, <laughs> for, for the people who don't know, you know, um, I, I, I don't know Art as well as a lot of people do. But, you know, when you're out with him or you're around him, he is he's just a, a fun person. And he, John, correct me if I if I say anything wrong, tell me. When I talk about you in my workshops and tell people to work with art, I always make the point that not only are you at this level of an artist, but you're an amazing human being. Oh, thank you. You care about your, your employees. You care about what's going on in the world. You care about things other than what, you know, all these books and all this stuff. Where am I going to go? And you know, my what am I going to take? You know, you know. I I know from knowing you to the extent that I do, but I know from what other people tell me, and nobody has ever said a negative word about art as a human being as well as a photographer. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being that way. There aren't enough people that way. It's too many egos in this business. It's a, I think so. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, Just there's a difference confidence and um, yeah. Well, there is a certain person running for president whose <laughs> ego is not big enough. <laughs> well, the country's not big enough for the yeah. ego. Yeah. But the world, the world is the world. The world. <laughs> Milky Thank way. you. It's been great talking to both of you this morning. Yeah, and it's Art, been an honor. We always tell people that we'd love to get you back, and, and and we'll try to do that again. Where are you going next? When do you leave? Um, I'm uh, teaching a workshop. Gabriel uh, rise from Thailand in a couple of weeks, and we're going to be teaching a workshop in Moab, and oh. then in Sedona. And we have room, by the way, in both workshops. Um. Sedona is brilliant uh, because Oak Creek Canyon and yes, good beautiful. restaurants and all of that. Um, then he goes back to Thailand. His son is 
entering college in about a month. Then the next thing he does is come back and we'll be leading the bear tours. Then we've got Namibia and, oh geez, I can't even remember. And in between I've got Carmel. I have to look at the calendar because every day this year I know where I'm going to be, including going to Delhi uh, in April, which is really hot at that time of the year, but there's 15,000 Muslims that will be praying at the largest outdoor mosque in India. And so I've, I'm going to be up on a wall shooting down on all these people lost in their prayers. And so I'm looking forward to that. And right before that, I'll be in Kyoto, Japan, during the cherry blossoms. And so it goes. Man. Well, please be safe. Stay healthy. I will. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. I think working in that garden is is good. Is a good. Oh, good for you. It's it's excellent for me. You know, it's, it's a good way to debrief after sitting in a plane for you know 20 hours coming home from somewhere that nobody knows what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> well, Art, thank you so much. We'll get you on again, folks. Um, if you have any comments or questions. Uh, we talk photo at Gmail. Mm-hmm. You can send them along. Um, and again, um, John, what did I leave out? I always Nothing. Leave Just thank you, Art. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, John. And we'll see you soon again. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye.